Today on Vulnerable, my friend Teal Sperling is here. Teal is manager of creative content at Mattel Television, focusing on preschool TV and the Barbie vlogger on YouTube. The Barbie YouTube vlogger is a bi-weekly YouTube series with over 11 million subscribers. And that stars Barbie. And it's an animation thing, which I love. She's an animated vlogger, and she discusses various topics that are important to her. And she participates in popular YouTube trends, of course. Teal and I have known each other for a long time. I've known her husband for even longer. And I've watched her through our Facebook, our personal Facebooks, become a mama, become an amazing executive in Hollywood. So I'm just happy to catch up with her today. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode of Vulnerable. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is the Vulnerable Podcast. Here we are, Teal. Hi. Wearing teal. Yes. Might I add, and you said that was or was it not. It is on purpose. I often do it. It's one of my favorite colors. It's a flex. It is. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have thought you would have come in wearing Barbie pink. Ah, that's another good one. It is. Yes. I mean, wow, Teal, we have to catch up. I know. It's been a really long time. <laughs> so just before we started like rolling, because we do a video uh, part of this as well, which you can find on my YouTube, <laughs> we were we were talking about when's the last time that we saw each other. Yeah. Before you got married, I think. But I was still with my husband yes, at the time. You and Brendan, we were at we met at some like restaurant. We like ran into each other at some restaurant. Yeah. And I think it was your birthday. And you were like just about to get married and I was with Nick. I think I had either just moved out to LA or I was moving out to LA. And yes. it was like this very like, you know, LA moment of like running into people. So I think I remember when Nick started seeing you. I think I do remember that. <laughs> we need to talk to Nick, but I just, I was so happy for him. Um, and I mean, we need to talk about Nick. Yes, my husband, my now <laughs> husband, then boyfriend. Nick Novicki. Nick Novicki. The one and only. <laughs> Who was your childhood friend, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. more oh. like he was like my older brother. Like, so uh, we all went to, in Connecticut, people's sailboats, not big boats where I'm from. Where I'm from is like, you know, he's Italian, right? Novicki. Uh, Polish, actually. Oh, it's Novicki. I know. Novitsky, I think, is the Polish version. I track that. Mm -hmm. I track that. Mm -hmm. So, but Nick and I basically went to the same summer camp, right? And this summer camp happened to have like sailboats and it was like a sailing camp, but it wasn't like a fancy thing. It was a yacht club though, I will say. So he was, a, and he was also on the swim team and Nick is a really, really strong swimmer. Yeah. I am a really, really bad swimmer. <laughs> I almost got like kicked off of the swim team and like oh, you no. pay to be on it. Like that's how bad of a swimmer I was. I was like a liability in the water. <laughs> Nick would have saved you. He probably would have. He was so sweet. And anyway, he was friends with like my older brother. They were basically friends with the same like cool kids that hung out in the clubhouse area that's like on top of the yacht club. It was like where all the older kids hung out and like pretended they didn't smoke cigarettes and stuff. But Nick was just always such a sweet, kind dude. And I remember seeing him several summers of my childhood and, and he was just always so warm to me. And I was a really weird geeky kid, especially before I really started acting. And he knows me from the time I was a little baby. So cut to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm here in LA and uh, I either see him on Facebook, but I'm pretty sure I actually saw him out and about in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, hold on a second. I was like, you know me? I was like, I'm Tony Romano's little sister. Oh my gosh. And he was like, yeah, of course, it's you, Christy. <laughs> and I was just like, Nick, oh my God. Like we had such like a moment oh. of seeing each other again. And I was like, whoa, a piece of me that I haven't touched base with in a long time actually exists in Hollywood. Yeah. It was so nice to see him. Yeah. And for so many reasons, right? So first of all, we should mention mm-hmm. that Nick is a little person. Yeah. <laughs> little person. That's right. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And uh, Nick is just the most <laughs> amazing human being with the way that he's taken the industry by storm. Yeah. With you at his side. Yeah. I mean, he changed my life. Like, he's. you talk about influential people in your life. You know, we met... In 2009, I think, you know, I'm a little person as well. And my whole life, I kind of grew up and like, I was like, you know, I was who I was and that's who I was, but I was never like, I never embraced who I was, you know, my physicality. Mm -hmm. I always did theater and I found my people and things, but I never was like truly comfortable in my skin. And then when I met Nick, like he was always just so confident. So confident. Right? In who he is. I can attest to that. Like unapologetic and just like amazing. And so that was something to see, like, oh my gosh, like that's, you know, amazing. And then also like being, you know, it was the first time I'd ever dated a little person before. And so when you're dating a little person, like you're, you're there with them on the street, you have to like, looking at him, I sort of had to confront who I was, you know? Mm -hmm. And so like, you can't run away from it, you know? And so it made me be more comfortable and get more comfortable with who I am and my physicality and all of that. So, and now we're married and it, it just continues to like, our relationship continues to grow. And he also encouraged me to get into development. And so it's, he's, he's awesome. I wanted him in the room, but at the same time, we don't need him. It's us ladies talking today. <laughs> <laughs> we need to catch up. And actually, because I know him so Well, I would say in terms of me just being a big fan of his and loving him on Facebook and always supporting everything y'all post. But I was so excited to see everything you've been doing with Barbie. I want to move on to that. But let's just address like what that was like for you when you met him. Like how did you – how did you guys meet? So we actually met through a mutual friend who's also a little person. And we we were at a – Actually, there was a little people convention. There's these conventions every summer where people gather, thousands of people. And it was the first one I had ever been to. It was in Brooklyn, and I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know any. I knew one person, I think, and I went because I wanted to go meet actors. I had just graduated from college. I was getting into acting. I was like, I want to go meet an, you know actors and see what's going on in the scene. Mm-hmm. So I literally turned the corner to the hotel, and there were all these little people, and I, I like – froze and I had to turn back because I like again like I had was confronted with like that's how people see me that's how I look oh my gosh visibility yeah exactly and then I like took a deep breath and then I was like okay I'm going and so I went in I ran into somebody that I knew who knew somebody else and I was like hey do you know any actors and he turns to this guy and he goes this is my best friend Nick he's an actor (laughs) and I was like oh great and so like we chatted and he was actually there because he was filming Boardwalk Empire in Brooklyn Oh, that's right. Nick is also, uh, not only is he a stand-up comic and hilarious to boot, but he he's also an accomplished actor. Yeah. He pops up everywhere. He's a multi-hyphenate everything. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we just sort of like kept in touch, and then he was dating somebody else at the time. 
We kept in touch. He came back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was more just like acting stuff, you know. And then when he came back to New York, he was no longer dating that person. And Mm -hmm. so we just started dating. And here we are, like, what is it? 13 years later? Fuck. I know. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. 12 years later. 13? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the kids make things hazy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yes. I mean, you have, you have a daughter. I know. It's crazy. Can it's you, amazing. Can you walk me into this, please? Yeah. So, we had a pandemic baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was great, though, because I literally just sat on the couch. I was pregnant. I sat on the couch. I didn't have to buy any maternity clothes. I sat in my pajamas. Mm-hmm. And she's 18 months now, and she's amazing. Her name is Marley. Mm-hmm. What and a cute name. Thank you. <laughs> and I've seen her, and she's absolutely adorable. Thank you. She is. So you had a good pregnancy? Yeah, I was very lucky. Oh, that's I awesome. didn't have any issues. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about her is, so my kind of dwarfism is called achondroplasia. Nick's kind of dwarfism is called pseudoachondroplasia. They're two different kinds. Okay. Marley, we're not sure if she's going to be a little person or not. We know that she doesn't have my type, but we don't know if she has Nick's type yet because it doesn't show up until you're like two or three years old. And so there's a chance that she may still be a little person. She's been in like the 70th percentile for everything, so she may just be average height, Mm -hmm. but we're just not sure yet, which is a really interesting mystery. How do you guys feel about it? You know, I think there are There are two sides, right? Like, I think we were excited to have a little person because we've learned so much and we can share so much with them about what we've learned. But at the same time, like, I think it's also so important. It's great, you know, it would be great to have an average height child to then have them teach their friends and, you know, see us just as their parents and have that acceptance and love. So there's like two, you know, either way, it's great. Yes. Oh, Marley, go, Marley, go. Yeah, yeah. So so in terms of visibility, uh, the Easter Disability Challenge? Easter Seals Seals. Disability Film Challenge. So can we walk through what that is and how, you know, Nick and I think you collectively have all been a part of this? Yeah, it's mostly Nick's. I'm like the supporter, the background, you know, (laughs) supporter, cheerleader. Yeah, right? (laughs) Supporting our husbands. Yeah. we're both very passionate about people with disabilities in the entertainment industry. That's why I got into development, and he then is sort of coming at it from a different angle. So he started this, it was a 48-hour film challenge for where you have to include a person with a disability either in front of or behind the camera. And it's a way to empower people with disabilities to take their careers into their own hands. And so, you know, he and I both didn't see people with disabilities in the media enough. And what there was, a lot of it was like various stereotypical roles or negative roles or people with disabilities not played by people with disabilities. So this was a way to empower people to get themselves on tape, to show what they could do and to show the industry that there's a lot of great stories and there's a lot of great people out there to tell those stories. So that's what he does. It's in its 10th year now. And I feel like it gets bigger every year. It does. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's here. It's located here. Yeah. Well, you can do it anywhere. So oh, you can I see. film it anywhere. And, you know, it's a film challenge. You can film it wherever. He's had international people and all over the world. That's so really cool. It's amazing. That's awesome. And Nick is Nick is not here with us, but he's obviously, we love you, Nick. Yes. So let's talk about you then. 
<laughs> so development, you in you were interning for some really great people. I was, okay. yeah. Well, I started out as an actress. Mm -hmm. And so I was in New York and I started out and I was getting just all these stereotypical roles. Like mm -hmm. I would get like, you know, I went to I went to a BFA program. I went to Rutgers and I got my BFA and I was like well trained. Yeah. But when I graduated, I was just getting like elf, leprechaun, alien, troll stripper and I was like this is ridiculous like <laughs> I do Shakespeare yes literally and so like I you know I was lucky to get some roles in New York but again they were focused on my height and so I was like why why is this and I realized that the people that hold the power and the gatekeepers are really the producers and the development executives, the people who start with the kernels of the idea. Right. I didn't even know that existed. And so we'd go into movies and I'd be like, well, this character, if they come in here, this is what's wrong with this movie, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, you should be in development. I was like, what is that? And then once I learned what that was, I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. And so I then switched paths, moved out to LA for a job, not a man, <laughs> <laughs> and interned with Linda Obst and then Grand Via Productions and learned so much and then got a job at Mattel. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Where you just started working on the Barbie brand. Yes. So I... Was I've been there for like eight years now. I was going to say, yeah, um, eight years in, in the Barbie brand, we've seen a lot of change. Yes. And I got there right before all of the big change happened. So it was unbelievably exciting to see that change from the inside and then the outside. What was that like then? It was it was interesting. So I've always been a huge fan of Barbie. I played with Barbies as a kid. Mm -hmm. It was my intro to storytelling, you know, when you're sitting there with two Barbies, like you're telling your story. And so when I got there, you know, it was just sort of traditional Barbie in the way that it had always been. And then they did a big rethink. They were like, who is Barbie? You know, like they were listening to a lot of what, you know, the feedback of the world was. And they decided to then change our body type. And so they released three different body types. There's a documentary that I helped with all the production on, on Hulu called Tiny Shoulders. Um, and it's all about, you know, the evolution of Barbie. But they were like, she, you know, she needs to evolve with the times. And the funny thing about Barbie is she has sort of always evolved with the times. Like the, you know, whatever was going on in culture, she was a part of it. Yeah. And so – and. The thing that I just think this is the coolest also about Barbie is like Ruth Handler, the woman who create woman who created Barbie in 1959, created her because she saw her daughter playing with, you know, baby dolls. And then she saw her daughter playing with paper dolls. But there was no 3D doll where you could actually play out your careers or ambitions. The only doll that they had was a nurturing, you know, baby doll to become a mother. And that's a wonderful thing as well. But she thought she created Barbie because she wanted her daughter to have choices mm -hmm. of what else she could be in addition to a mother. Mm -hmm. So that's was sort got, of like, I know, right? I've got goosebumps. <laughs> I know. And so that was like the inspiration, you know, behind the big rethink of like, who is Barbie? For so long, the Barbie look and the Barbie body type has been under such scrutiny. I think it's interesting because in the 2000s, 
with the, uh, not to discourage like the Paris Hilton, because I honestly think that is her body type is very like, very thin. And I think everyone was really struggling with body type and body dysmorphia throughout the the bling ring days or whatever you want to call it in the 2000s. It was a really weird time to be living. And, and now it's like things have shifted. Body types. It's all about body positivity now. Yeah. How does that feel too, as a, a person who has traditionally been like, yeah, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I think it's great. You know, it's wonderful to see all all body types embraced, um, all different types of people, all different, you know, anything and everything, skin types, disabilities, abilities embraced, you know, and, and I think the world has done an amazing job of that. And also bar- it's exciting to see Barbie. You know, now there's Barbie with um, a prosthetic leg. There's Barbie with hearing aids. There's Barbie in a wheelchair. So for me, like that evolution has also been really exciting to see as it continues to grow. Absolutely. Have have they ever talked to you about any kind of development of a, a you know, a little person Barbie? If they have, I couldn't say. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so amazing. I'm sure the the inner child in you would be just so excited if you actually played with her. Yeah, so I did take notice as a mom. I started taking notice, I would say about, I'd say maybe three and a half to four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Barbie started to become a little bit more online at mm-hmm. that time. I think she had a couple more TV specials, mm-hmm. you know, and I started to see how how Barbie was was really owning her independence and really, really going after not just, oh, look, this is me in a cute astronaut outfit. It was like, no, I'm like taking care of business. Yeah. I'm, I'm a judge. Like I'm she an was empowered woman. Dude, she was mm-hmm. doing like so many cool things. And then they were backing it up with content. Yes. Yeah. I think that's when I started to be like, oh, yeah. they're they're backing this up. Right. Well, part of the change too was that Barbie had always been like, Barbie, she starred in, I think she has more DVDs and like titles than James Bond um, or wow. had. <laughs> wow. But it was always Barbie as Sleeping Beauty or Barbie as the Nutcracker Princess. It was never Barbie as herself. She never had a defined character. And so part of the evolution when I was there, um, spearheaded by my boss, Julia Pister, shout out, she's an amazing woman, and some amazing other people at Mattel they actually gave Barbie a voice of her own and created a character for her as a 17-year-old girl who was just like a normal girl, you know? And so she had a voice. She could then speak her thoughts. She had a vlog. She could tell people what she was thinking. And it's been really, really exciting to be part of that voice and yeah. giving I'm, her voice. Dude, you're like the – you're producing – the Barbie YouTube vlogging content. What is that like? It's hard enough to be a vlogger, much less have it be animated and representing in a, a massive franchise. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a huge responsibility because <laughs> yeah. Barbie is a megaphone, you know, like whenever she does anything, it makes headlines. So it's incredibly exciting, but a huge responsibility at the same time of like, what are we saying to girls? What are we saying to people? You know, it's not just girls that watch the vlog, although that's our you know, big audience. Oh, yeah. What are we saying to culture? We've done some really, some of my favorites are, you know, we did one about like, instead of saying how women say I'm sorry so much, like sorry, like sorry, instead of turning that around and saying thank you, like thank you for your patience or, you know, instead of just demeaning, not 
yeah, I don't saying sorry. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. It's a matter of growth rather yeah. than tr- trying to put yourself down. Exactly. That's really great. Were you were you a part of any of the writing process or the development? Like, how does it work? So the vlog is written and was written by Julia Pister. Uh, created and written by. And then now it's sort of written by a team of writers as well as Ann Austin. And I oversee the creative development of it. So I help come up with ideas. I help shape, you know, the writing and the ideas. I oversee it through production and then into the world. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and another one that I'm really proud of, we also did the Black Lives Matter vlog Mm -hmm. where Barbie has a conversation with her friend Nikki about racism. And to be able to just have that conversation and have girls, you know, hear that and the world hear that through Barbie's lens and through the megaphone that is Barbie was so, like there aren't words, you know, like just the impact that I saw that have in the world was so meaningful. Positive and I'm sure frustrating when people who are kind of more, um, choosing to believe in Barbie as some sort of frozen form of feminism or whatever. I don't know what it is they see. I think it's interesting how we see in in history, we see people like Anna Nicole Smith, we see Pamela Anderson, we see we see the shell of a woman who's was at the behest of a society that demeaned her to being just blonde, tall, and at a certain proportion. And that you know, these poor women have these movies written about them or like the Marilyn movie that just came out, Blonde. Mm -hmm. I would be remiss if I didn't say that in my youth, I had a really hard time embracing that I wasn't blonde and blue-eyed because when I was coming up in the entertainment industry, that was all anybody wanted you to be. Right. And I just wasn't that. I was this like brown-eyed, brown-haired girl from, you know, the East Coast. I had a little bit of an accent and... I think for me, uh, it was it was very frustrating. I don't yeah. know. Well, it's our, what our society projects of what you're supposed to be, right? Yeah. And so people are definitely reacting to the new Barbie. Yeah. <laughs> Have you what What was that like for you when you started seeing? I'm sure you guys expected people to push back. Yeah. I mean, she's always had haters. You know, Barbie's always had. There's always love and hate with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but how can they hate who she is now? That's what I'm trying to right. say. And I guess no, I can. Well, that's the po- I mean, that's the great thing is that we were so overwhelmed by the positive response of of the change and the continual changes. Everybody has been, you know, it's been so positive. As um, a team member, are you guys all equally invested in the feedback that you guys are getting in the comments? And I mean, 11 million. Yeah. Subscribers is really massive. Yeah. It's amazing. I How mean, did, did you see that happen? Were you, you were there when you guys went live yeah. day one and watched her grow? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was, it's been, I mean, amazing. I mean, the whole Barbie team, like it's, there is a big team. You know, I am a, a small part of the team of that, you know, that works on Barbie. And they're all some of the smartest, most brilliant people who care. Like everybody cares so much about this doll, you know, and this icon. Yeah. Um, And so that's a huge part of it. Tiny Shoulders was, I remember it made a splash. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great documentary by Andrea Nevins. 
and yeah. I'm surprised they didn't interview you or something. <laughs> well, I helped with all the production, so I was behind the scenes. Got it, I got it. I helped with all the filming at Mattel and all that stuff. Got it. And Mattel's here. In El Segundo, yeah. Okay, so not mm-hmm. too far from Hollywood. No. How are you managing, like, with with the family and this? I'm sure this is a very full-time kind of job. Yeah. When everyone is as committed as they are to this creative process. Yeah. How well, are you doing that? So with the pandemic, you know, now remote work is a thing. And so I only go in like once a week or a couple times a week. And so I get, I'm then home the other days. But that's I, awesome. Yeah. And my boss now has kids. And so it's a very fram- family friendly company. Everybody oh, great. is so like flexible and, and, loves, you know, that you have family and family time. So. Right. And you have a daughter. I do. I know. It's crazy to keep like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm, yeah. You're like, I'm a mom. I know. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is so great to know you for that that long, I guess, where I've seen you also grow. I know. And you too. Y'all, you have I'm two sure. daughters. I'm sure if you saw me on my birthday, I was a very different person <laughs> than I am now. <laughs> you know, like prior to kids right. and just in general. We all are. Oh, I'm sure. But I mean, I think you guys were always just, you and your husband just always seem so happy. And it, I mean, before you had your daughter, I feel like you guys are always exploring. Yeah. You're always traveling. Yeah, we love to travel. Did you guys get married? You had a destination wedding, We right? went, well, so we got married in New Orleans. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun. Was yes. that fun? Yeah, it was so fun. My family's, my dad's family's from New Orleans. And mm-hmm. so we thought that would be a fun place. And then after that, you know, for our honeymoon, we went to Thailand. And every year after that, we did a huge international vacation. Like we asked for money instead of like wedding gifts mm-hmm. so that we could keep traveling. And so we did Thailand. We've gone to India, Cuba, Japan. We went on safari in Kenya right before the pandemic. And so we got a good amount of traveling in. And now with baby and pandemic, you know, we're slowed down a little bit. but Yeah, it slows <laughs> you down. But that's great that you took the time to do that together. You know, it's like really special when you can do that. Yeah, Brendan and I didn't travel exotically enough, but we'll get back to There's it. There's still time. <laughs> he's about to turn 40. Aww. And we're trying to get to Ireland for his, because he's <gasps> Brendan Rooney's an Irish guy. Yeah. And he, and he wants to go there. So I'm hoping we can make it happen. Oh, yeah. I don't know. 40 is a big year. It is. It's a big birthday. It's You should just, yeah, it's a I'm, special thing to do. I'm turning 39. And it's funny because when we talk about visibility, I think like people of different ages too. Yeah. Oh, are, yeah. Are very not visible as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like lately with these larger conversations that we've been having, people can exist. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, I think... I, I, the doors have opened for, I think, everything. You know, there used to be so many... Society put, like, boxes and doors on everything. And now I feel like everyone is just like, screw that. Yeah. Just just take a hammer to the wall entirely. Yeah. You don't need the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that is good. I wonder sometimes if... Let me ask you this. This is probably, like, a really, uh, like, odd question. Do you feel like people's understanding of visibility is temporary ever? Do you ever worry that maybe things will change or people won't be as invested? I think it evolves. And I think one of the things that like holds people back, you know, I think we're we've come a long way, right? I think we've come a long way in terms of 
visibility for all types of people. But I think people are also nervous about now getting it wrong. I think, you know, there's there's sensitivities around certain things. Like, for example, you know, with with disability, people may not want to cast a certain thing because they're afraid that they're not going to get the language right or they're not going to... Mm-hmm you know, show them in a in a positive way where it's like, we can all just learn together. Like, do it and let's all get messy together and, mm-hmm. like, figure it out. Right. I think that's a little bit of it. But I, I mean, I hope not. I hope that we're not, it's not temporary and that we're just only on a forward tra- trajectory. So having grown up, being a little person, do you feel as though you can spot people that are full of shit? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. And I, but I think again, like, I think it's evolved. Like when I was growing up, there wasn't social media, there wasn't, you know, all these shows with all these people, you know, I feel like a lot of the reality shows, like Little People Big World did a lot for my community. I was more like an anomaly and people were like curious. I would almost imagine that that's what it's like to be famous. Like people are like so like curious about you and like taking pictures of you and like (laughs) following you in public. Um, But I feel like now people have a better understanding and are like a little more. They're like, no, respect that person. Right, yeah. (laughs) They have bodily autonomy and like don't like infringe their space. Right. I still get like the, the... the kind of weird weirdo here and there, but like I feel like <laughs> it's weird like, weirdo. Yeah, like I feel, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. But no, I feel fair like, enough. It is. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, as a famous person would. Yeah, right. I mean, I feel like it's. I I'm not famous, but I would imagine that's what it feels like. It's like people kind of like what's well, googling like, at you. It's and, like this. Forgive me saying, it's like a perverted attention. Yeah. It's like, yeah. why are you focused on that? Because society tells you to, so that you're choosing to, you know, kind of idolize this person or or other that person and kind of like right. go after them too. Right. That's you, that's the part that I am always a little bit confused. Like, you can always respectfully come. I am very lucky in that I have some really great support. And especially since I've gone online, mm. I have found more of my community, more of who I get to reach and speak to. And like with a podcast like this too, I get to like inform people about who I am as a human. Yeah. And so when I see people like like in the airport line, people, people will come up to me like, really though, like, thank you for this. Mm. And can we take a picture? I'm like, of course we can. Yeah. Like I'm a very accessible person. Yeah. And I just am very blessed to have these kinds of fans that even if they grew up with me, they're not losing their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you're sort of in control of your narrative now with all of this too, which yes. is awesome. Thank you. I mean, so then in terms of sort of development and controlling your own future and narrative. What do you what do you want to do? I know you're with happy with Mattel. We're not going to poach you. <laughs> well, I think, you know, why I got into development is like I never saw anyone like me on television growing up, you know, and I never until like literally like the reality TV shows. Like I never I mean, I think Willow was like the the first thing, but that's like a magical, you know, fantasy world, which wasn't, it's an awesome movie, but I didn't see like myself represented in a positive light. It was always like as elves or, you know, something that's more fantastical, not like a barista, you know, or a lawyer (laughs) or like whatever. And so I 
my goal is to change that, you know, and not just for little people, but for people with disabilities, people who are other in any way is like, what do I want now my daughter to see and to grow up with? What would I have wanted to see on television or in the media? What would I have wanted shows to talk about and, and discuss? And like the other day, you know, I bought a book for my daughter and it's like about colors or something. And there's a little boy in a wheelchair and she likes to point to everything and I'll, you know, I'll say, where's that? Where's that? And so I was like, where's the bird? And she pointed the bird and I said, where's the wheelchair? And she pointed to the wheelchair and she like knew what it was. Mm. And so just those little things where you put it in kids' visibility so it doesn't become other or but doesn't become foreign or something weird. It's, it's just part of life, you know? So my two daughters were at the park the other day and uh, I was not with them transparently. I was probably working. <laughs> But they were having a blast, and there was a child in a wheelchair there. And I was told that they did not make a thing of it. Yeah. And that some other kids may have, but that they did not. And they asked this kid if he wanted to play with them. And yeah. I think the kid was like, no, I'm good. And then they, they were – it was it's, – it's really interesting. Do you think it's because they've seen that? You've introduced it to them? Do you think you've just raised them in, like, to be – cool with everybody? I have. Yeah. I have. So transparently, like, I have help. Yeah. I have an amazing, amazing nanny. I love you, Gemma. Yes. We need all the support. The It takes a village. It, it really, truly does. Gemma yes. is originally from Senegal. Oh, wow. And she's very tall. She's like six, six foot three. And so she is absolutely stunning. She really is stunning. And just the best human being. And we started working with her during the pandemic. And I am so blessed to have her in my life. I've had some negative experiences with childcare. So I have always gone back and been like, Gemma, please, will you consider relocation? And we talked about everything and, and, and she's with us. So anyway, so Gemma basically was telling me this. And in general, my kids don't see color. And they don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like the other day, I think my my husband told me that they were talking about like, oh yeah, the the black woman is singing that song. Can you please play that on Spotify or whatever, right? And my my husband did the exact same thing that I would do, and he goes, "What do you mean by black woman?" <laughs> and it turned out that it was a black woman, but she was wearing a black dress. And I promise you, this isn't the only time that we've had to stop and be like, check in with, is it time? Is it time for them to have seen color, so to speak, mm. or disability or othering? Mm -hmm. And I'm very aware of it. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not going to overcorrect. I'm really, I'm really not trying to do that. But yeah. I mean, I am, I'm, I'm interested. What do you think I can do to be an ally of the other communities? Yeah. Essentially, I think just like normalizing it, you know, like mm -hmm. the fact that you're seeing all these different people. And I think just exposing kids to everything, right? Even if it's not in their lives, but show them in the media or just exposing them to everything. And also showing them that everything is okay. Like nothing is other, you know, I'll be in a store and like kids are always curious. And I never have a problem with that because they're just, it's curious. It's a natural curiosity when you see something that you've never seen before. You're going to be curious, right? And so kids, it's always a genuine place. They'll come up and be like, hi. You know, they'll like kind of look at me and be like, hi. And the parents' reaction will either be 
to one of two things. One, they'll be like, <gasps> and they'll be horrified, and then they'll kind of shoo their child away or be like, don't stare, you know, which then to me teaches, thinks, you know, like it sort of teaches your child that that's something's wrong with that. Don't, yeah. don't do that. There's don't, there's something wrong. <gasps> get them, get away, you know? Whereas, or the other reaction is like, they'll be like, well, you know, look at her. And the parent will be like, yeah, she's, you know, she's, that's how she's made. That's how she is. You know, do you want to go say hi? Ask her her name or whatever. Yeah. You know, some people don't like to be engaged. But like the showing that it's not a bad thing, introducing the concept of like this is just how people are, yeah. I think is like the best way to do it. And exposure of like, you know, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to put all the people that I can in media so I that see kids, that. like curating the world for kids so that they see early on, just all different types of people. So then moving forward, I have a couple more questions. Are there any dream projects that you would like to develop then? Man. In or outside of Barbie, I think. It's a great question. Um, I didn't write it. That's why, <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's a great I question. mean, I would love to have something with a little person, woman, protagonist. I am sort of working on something outside of Mattel. I have a indie feature that I'm, you know, that I'm consulting on that stars a little person woman because that's something we haven't seen really before in a leading role. Like we have Peter Dinklage who is like amazing, oh, like him. just unbelievable. And he's hot. <laughs> Can we just talk about how hot Peter Dinklage is? <laughs> Sorry, husband. I love you very much, but you know. You know Peter. Even my husband is like, he's a good looking man. <laughs> And an unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable actor. Yeah, And just has done unbelievable things for the community in terms of the media. Mm -hmm. But there's not been, there's, Meredith Eaton is a wonderful actress, but there has not been, you know, a leading woman in a, like, feature film or big blockbuster hit that has that same visibility. And so I think to showcase, you know, a woman often, like, little people, women are like fetishized or like there's like a, you know, there's not, they don't have the three-dimensionality in media that usually men do. And so I, that would be a dream, I think, to just showcase like that aspect. Hold on a second. You're telling me that even in the little person community that women are still marginalized by gender? In the media. Yeah. In the media, correct. Yeah. In the media. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Like God, all the, damn. you know, in the all the roles that when I would go out, you know, like Nick would go out for like, when I was still acting, he'd mm -hmm. go out for like 10 auditions and I'd go out for like two, you know? And it was, it's just, that's, it's it's in, inequality. Yeah, in there's just not of, enough opportunities, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so that's what you would want to develop. So do you think you want to, like a production company eventually or? I'm not sure. I love what I do now. Like yeah. I love kids content. I love, you know, working with Barbie and big brands. I mean, I think the other thing that I love about big brands, again, is like you just have this big megaphone to like speak to the world. I think Barbie has 99% brand awareness, like which is like rivaled by Coca-Cola, you know? That's insanity. I know. I know. So like to be able to just have that opportunity is amazing. So who knows what the future holds. But yeah. right now I just am like loving 
what I'm doing. Wow. Imagine that. Yeah. Somebody in Hollywood who like loves their job. I know, right? I know. <laughs> I feel like the animation, and I'm sure you, you know, understand this. I feel like the animation industry too and like the kids industry mm -hmm. is like, they're like the cool theater nerds that yeah. like just the cool community that's like, they're you know. They're so nice to each yeah, other. Yeah. Animation good in general, people. like they're good people. They like to work together. And from what I know from my podcast, there's a lot more inclusion happening even in the casting process as yeah. well. Well, and that's the cool thing about voiceover, too. Like, it literally doesn't matter what you look like or, mm -hmm. like, well, your ability, your mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah. You just need a microphone, and that's it. Like, that's true. Yeah. Or or conversely, what people are recognizing in the casting process is, like, certain actors are like, I'm not going to play this role because this doesn't – I'm not representing this person correctly. Mm. And I think, like, this could be filled by someone yeah. that – would do this better. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I think it is a really interesting time yeah. in animation in terms of that. Okay, so then if you could offer your younger self any advice, what would that be? I think it would just be like, enjoy the journey. Because I, you know, I thought I was going to be an actor and I was so set on being an actor. And then when that wasn't working out, I was so stressed out about it. And now I'm in such a better place, you know? And I think that... Just the the path is never a straight line, right? Yeah. So enjoy it. <laughs> Yay, Teal. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. Yeah. Like, thank you, Christy. Oh, my God, of course. Yes. I, I adore you. And like I had to figure out a way for us to hang out. And this was it. <laughs> great. Great excuse. <laughs> but I would really love to see you. Are, are you guys – I hope you come to Austin at some yes, point. Yes. We too. go to Austin occasionally. <gasps> oh, and good. now that you're there, like we will – You're going to stay with us. Yes. Okay, good. Oh, yes. 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 I, I think we're going next summer. We might be next summer, so I'll let you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Amazing. I'll yeah. just have to wait a little bit, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where can we find – I guess you're. we know where to find you because everyone already follows you guys. 11 million followers. <laughs> yeah, the Barbie vlog on YouTube is my jam. Mm -hmm. I think mostly we should just root them there, huh? Yeah. You're just the person behind the curtain. Exactly. Making sure – that Barbie. I'm the behind the scenes girl. And then, you know, we have uh, Thomas and Friends, All Engines Go, which I forgot to talk about. We just introduced our first autistic character in that, which I got to be part of, which was amazing. Full circle, right? That's on Cartoon Network and Netflix. Got it. And then um, I also worked on Deepa and Anoop, which just dropped its second season on Netflix as well. I do like that show quite a bit. Yay! Oh my gosh, so it's not just Barbie. You're no, doing all this, all I do, this different stuff. Yeah, I work on a lot of the preschool stuff too. Oh, so. well, we watch all of it. So Yay. thank you so much for everything you do. And thank you for coming on Vulnerable. Thank you. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano, produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham, and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. 